Welcome to our Painesville Assembly of God podcast. Our desire is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. If this message touches your heart, we'd love to hear about it. Email us at info at or visit PainesvilleAG.com. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to your faith. Just your faithfulness to the Lord. Uh, we are now a debt-free church. We paid off our loan. <laughs> we, we came in our board meeting and uh, last month, and uh, we had about a little over $46,000, but uh, the Lord has been so faithful month after month that we began to pray and say, God, what do you want us to do? And God said, take care of the debt. And so we were able to do that, and that's because of your faithfulness. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for your faithfulness and the work that you're doing. And uh, we've been able to continue to give um, to missions as well. So many of you also gave to the baby bottle uh, with Hannah's Home. And uh, we gave over $2,300 to Hannah's Home through those baby bottles. I got a letter in the mail yesterday and uh, picked that up. So you, you guys are just awesome. You're awesome. Just keep being obedient to the Lord. I'm telling you, amazing things happen when we are obedient to the Lord and in uh, what we do. So thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, today, I, I am, I'm super excited, and at the same time, I've been super prayerful because we are going to delve into the end of Daniel chapter 9, which is a, a very complicated uh, prophecy in the Bible, a very complicated passage of Scripture in the Bible, uh, prophetic passage of Scripture in Daniel chapter 9. We started uh, the, the beginning of Daniel chapter 9 last week, and, uh, and, and we talked about how Daniel was, was prayerful reading in the book of Jeremiah, and we're, we'll get into that in a moment. But at the end, uh, God shows up, and he begins to give Daniel a prophetic vision, a prophetic dream, prophetic word of what was coming and it has some timetables to it and some different things. And I've just been praying all week that God would help me to share clearly. Because I believe, to be honest with you, if we will understand this, if we will get this, if we will see both the fulfillment side of what's already been fulfilled and what's coming, that it will, it will ground our faith in a way uh, that, that really will solidify Jesus Christ as, as our Messiah and what he came to do and also point to what's coming, what is coming as well. So let me just, let me just say this, uh, school's approaching. How many ever had subjects in school that you struggled with? Anybody have certain subjects? There were certain subjects I was great at. Man, I love PE, all right? I, I, man, I could get into PE, man. I, I love PE. That was, that was awesome. Uh, you know, when I was in kindergarten, uh, I got to be honest with you, there are certain subjects you love. Uh, I loved being able to rub around and recess and, and all that. Um, I, and I love music class. I, I hated art. All right, I know some of you are just creatives. You're like, how do you? I just was not good. In fact, I failed scissor cutting in kindergarten. I mean, I just couldn't cut on the lines. I just, I couldn't get that. My handwriting was awful. I mean, just terrible. Just ask my mom. It hasn't gotten much better, so I apologize if I've ever had to handwrite something to you. Um, but you know, as you get older, subjects get harder. And so when I get into junior high, high school, man, I loved, I loved English class. I did. I loved English. I loved reading. I was really good at it. I was good at English reading. I was good at being able to speak. It was great. I loved history. I could get into history. And then there was this subject called math. 
All right, I was okay when it came to addition and subtraction and multiplication and division, memorize that. But then they introduced this thing called fractions. I just, I struggle with fractions. Anybody struggle with fractions? And then if you don't get that as you go, they have this thing called algebra, right? And then they want to put you in algebra two as if algebra one wasn't bad enough, you know? And then trigonometry and I'm, I just, like math was just not. So now I'm in the book of Daniel, and we're getting to this end part of Daniel chapter 9, and I'm reading through all of these numbers, and sevens of sevens, and 62 sevens, and, and, and one seven, and, and, and all of a sudden I'm having flashbacks of like high school math, and I'm like, oh no. And so as I'm working my way through going, God, you wanted me to preach through the book of Daniel and I've got to preach this. Lord, I need help. Right? Give me understanding. So my prayer for myself has been, Lord, give me understanding. And my prayer for you today is that God would give you understanding into his word. Because as I began to understand some of these things, it just brought about such an an excitement for God's word. And so that's my prayer for you this morning. So again, we're in the book of Daniel. We started out last week at the beginning part of Daniel chapter 9. It introduced the timetable that Daniel chapter 9 actually takes place in the first year of when the Medo-Persian Empire took over the Babylonian Empire in the first year of Darius the Mede, who was in charge of the Babylonian region. It corresponds timing-wise with Daniel chapter 6, where Daniel was in the lion's den. So that's where we are. And what we found was is that Daniel began to to pray. Daniel was actually reading in God's word. He was reading out of the prophet Jeremiah, looking at at Jeremiah 25, Jeremiah 29, and he began to calculate, hey, we were taken into captivity. I remember when, when Jerusalem was taken into captivity, Jeremiah said this would happen, and I remember when that happened. I was a teenager then, but now I'm in my 80s, and I'm calculating, and Jeremiah's scripture his word said that we would be in exile for 70 years and the way I figure it we got to be like 67 68 years God you got to fulfill your word you got to bring us back God it's about the time of restoration and I know you're a God who keeps his promises and so Daniel out of reading the scripture is prompted to begin to pray He's prompted to begin to pray, and he begins to pray into it. And we didn't get into his prayer, but part of his prayer was this humble adoration as he he begins to exalt and recognize who God is and what God has done. And then he moves to a humble confession as he begins to confess the sins of his people and begins to repent over his own sin, but also the sins of his people and the sins of his nation as they moved to immorality and they moved to idolatry away from God, and they didn't honor God's word specifically when it came to the sabbath and the sabbath rest when it came to the land and that's going to be important in what we're going to get into and he begins to do that and then it moves into a heartfelt petition as he begins to to just supplicate and he just begins to petition God on behalf of his people and while he is praying before he's even finished his prayer God sends a word God sends an answer look at Daniel chapter 9 starting in verse 20. If you're in the app, you can follow along in the app notes. But verse 20 says this, while I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and making my request to the Lord my God for his holy hill, while I was still in prayer. All right, we get it, Daniel. You're in prayer, right? 
Gabriel, the man I had seen in an earlier vision, came to me in a swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice, and he instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I've now come to give you insight and understanding. As soon as you began to pray, a word went out, which I have come to tell you. You are highly esteemed. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. Now, I want to pause for a moment because what we have here is, is a very personal God. Daniel begins to pray, and God comes with an answer. How many know God answers prayer? God answers prayer. It's a two-way street. It's not just us throwing up prayers to God in an impersonal way. God is a very personal God who has come to speak to us. God wants to speak to you today. God wants to give you understanding today. As we cry out and as we call out to the Lord, God wants to speak to us. God says to Daniel, he says, you who are, what, what, what are the words here? You're highly favored, right? He said, Daniel, you're highly esteemed. You know what that word means? It means you're highly, you're, you're, you're beloved. You're greatly beloved. That's what other passages say. Greatly beloved. Listen, friends, can I tell you something? You are greatly beloved of the Lord. Why would God want to speak to you? Why would God want to answer your prayer? Why would God want to show you things in his word? Why would God want to answer? Why is he personal? Because you are greatly beloved. God loves you. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. Somebody is struggling to believe that. I want you to know that God gave his only son for you. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God loves you. God loves you, for God so loved the world, right, that he gave his one and only son. God loves you. God loves you. And God wants to speak to you when you pray. Now, there's another passage in Jeremiah, and I think it's, it's just right on with where Daniel was. It's Jeremiah 33, 3. Call to me, and I will answer you. And look at this. I'll answer you. What am I going to do? I'll tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. This is what happened. Daniel is prompted by what he's reading in the writings of Jeremiah the prophet. And as he prays into those, God comes and begins to open up his understanding of some things that are coming, some things that are happening, some, some revelation that is, is happening and coming. And, and look at this. God says to Daniel, I have come. Gabriel says as he comes, I've come to give you understanding. Did you see it? Three times. I've come to give you understanding. Verse 22. Oh, Daniel, I've come forth to give you the skill to understand. Verse 23. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. Verse 25. Know and understand this. Friends, God wants to give you understanding in his word today. Through his Holy Spirit, he wants to give you understanding in his word. And I believe there are five ways that the next couple of verses as we look at that God wants to give us an understanding in these verses in five different ways. The first way God wants to give us understanding is generally speaking. There are some things we need to know just generally, foundationally, if we're going to truly be able to understand this vision, this prophecy uh, uh, of Daniel. And the first thing is this, is that this particular prophecy, this particular word that God is giving to Daniel is in regard to the Jewish people. 
It's in regard to the Jewish people. It's in regard to Daniel's people. In the past, what we've seen in visions, when it came to a dream that Nebuchadnezzar had, it had to do with Gentile kingdoms and successions. So you have the head of gold in that statue in, Nebuch- in, in Daniel chapter 2 that Nebuchadnezzar had representing Babylon. And then the next empire, the Medo-Persian empire of, of the chest and the arms of silver. And then the the thighs of bronze, the midsection and thighs of bronze representing Greece. And then the legs of iron and, and, and the feet of iron partly mixed with clay representing Rome. And a coming government, a coming Roman government that we've yet to see. Gentile kingdoms. We saw when it came to the image of the beast that it was Gentile kingdoms. And we saw with the ram and the goat, Gentile kingdoms. But here, this particular passage of Scripture needs to be understood through the lens that what God is speaking, he's speaking to the Jewish people and about those that were in captivity and specifically about his people, his chosen people, those that that come from Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. That's who he's speaking to. Look at verse 24. Seventy weeks determined for your people, your people. Who's Daniel's people? The Jewish people. And for your holy city. What's the holy city? Jerusalem, right? And then, then he gives some things that have to happen to finish the transgression. In these 70 weeks, there's things that have to happen to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Now, there are six things, and we're going to talk about them in just a moment, but I want to just let you know that this is specifically coming through this prophecy, and what's happening is specifically coming through God's people, the Jewish people, the God, God's people, and that's important. For us to understand. Another general thing that we need to know about this is that we're dealing with a set timetable. 70 weeks. And we're going to explain what that means. 70 weeks. But we're, 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 we're talking about a timetable. In fact, if you take a look at verse 24, you'll see 70 weeks are determined. Do you know what the word determined means? It means to be cut out. Literally, that word determined means cut out. There is a particular period of all of time. There's a particular period of 70 weeks, a determined timetable and time period that's being cut out specifically for a purpose. It's being cut out. And so in order to understand, we've got we've to dive in. But this cut out time period has to do with the Messiah. And we're going to get into that in just a moment. Now, every now and then you get a person that says, well, you know, I don't know that God is personal. I think God, you know, I believe in God, but I think he just kind of set things go. He created everything and then he just kind of let it go. It's a person that's called a deist. They believe that God started it all, but he kind of, he's not really involved. He's not really personal. But friends, what we see in Daniel is is that God has a determined amount of time. God is very personal. He's not somebody that just is kind of watching what happens and maybe reacting from time to time. No, 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 no. Understand something. God is in charge. God's got a definite time frame. God's got a timetable. God is in control. He is sovereign. He is sovereign. Now, precisely, we're talking about a, a timetable. So what timetable? What is this 70 weeks, 70 weeks that are determined? What is 70 weeks? Well, the Bible doesn't actually say weeks in the Hebrew Bible. It says Shabua Shabim. There you go. Say that. Shabua Shabim, right? It, it, it literally means 77s. 
70 sevens or 70 sets of seven. 70 sets of, of seven. And, and hang in with me because here's where we're going to start to get into some of this math I was talking about that we need understanding. So hang with me for a moment. What do 70 sevens mean? What is this 70 weeks? What does this seven, 70 sevens or seven year groupings of time mean? Well, if we go back to verse 24, it says 70 sevens are determined for your people. Now here in the U.S., we tend to mark years by decades, right? Tens. You have the 60s and the 70s and the 80s, the 90s, right? We mark it by decades. Every decade we celebrate. Every decade. But the Jewish people marked time by heptads or by sevens. Their time period was in the, in the time period of sevens, seven years. Leviticus chapter 5 tells when, when they entered the land that they were to work the land for six years, but then the seventh year was to be a Sabbath year, a Sabbath year of rest for the land. In Leviticus 25, 8, it says this, count off seven Sabbath years, seven times seven years, so that the seven Sabbath years amount to a period of 49 years. So you get seven sevens, is seven seven-year periods of time, marking 49 years. Does anybody know what the 50th year represented? Jubilee, yeah, the year of Jubilee, woo right? Seven sevens. All right, now, what was Daniel, what was Daniel reading? In, in the beginning of Daniel chapter 9, what was he reading? Who was he reading? The prophet who? Jeremiah, right? And Jeremiah said, that you, you are going into exile. Why? Because of your disobedience. And how long was the exile? 70 years. Right? 70 years. Why? Why was it 70 years? What is this idea of 70 years? Well, take a look at 2 Chronicles 36. This is after the fact. Here's some history. After the fact, this is how the writers in Chronicles, history-wise, this is what they wrote. He carried into exile to Babylon the remnant who escaped from the sword. Remember, this is they were carried into exile, Daniel and his friends and all of those. They became servants to him. Remember, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they became servants of, of, of the king of, of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. And the kingdom and, and his successors until, look at this, the kingdom of Persia came to power. The land enjoyed its Sabbath rest. All the time of its desolation, it rested until the 70 years were completed in fulfillment of the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah. So why were they in 70 years of captivity? To give the land rest for those six, seven-year periods of time when the seventh year, they didn't let the land rest. So 70 times seven, 70 years for every seventh year, in a seven-year period, 70 times seven is what? Some of you math geniuses, what is 70 times seven? 490, right? Seven times seven is, four, is 49. You got to add the zero for 70, right? There we go. It's a math equation, right? 490 years. So 490 years, Israel was disobedient. And because they were disobedient during those 490 years, because they did not repent, because they did not give the land rest, God said, I'm going to require of that 70 years. 70 for every of those Sabbaths you missed. 
for everyone. See, it's calculated in sevens. Now, if that's the way that Daniel is understanding this idea of sevens in 70 years, now Gabriel comes and says, okay, you've been praying about the 70 years of captivity that's almost up, but I'm going to give you something else. I'm going to give you a little more. I'm going to tell you what is coming. I'm going to tell you not only the restoration that is coming, but I'm going to give you a whole lot more to think about. So I believe that 77s refers to 70 sets of seven years. 70 sets of seven-year periods. Seven-year periods. The Mishnah says that. The New Revised Version says that. Jewish commentaries say that. In fact, the, the, the New Revised Version says 70 weeks of years. And the New Century Version just makes it really easy. And it says 490 years. So we're dealing with the number 490. So keep 490. So 70 years is, is really, or 70 weeks is really 490 years. 490 years, okay? So now we need to understand this more specifically. So let's go back to verse 24 one more time. 70 weeks, 490 years, are determined for your people, for your holy city, to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. So out of these 70 weeks or these 490 years, what we see is there are six things that are supposed to take place. Six things that are going to happen according to this prophecy. Three of them are negative. Three of them are negative. They deal with sin. And three of them are positive. They deal with the kingdom that is coming, the kingdom of God. So here's the first three. To finish the transgression, that's in verse 24. To make an end of sins, it's plural, sins. And to make reconciliation for iniquity. And the word reconciliation comes from the Hebrew word kaphar, K-A-P-H-E-R, means to cover or atone for. All right? To cover or atone for. When Jesus came the first time, what did he come to do? To atone for sin. Right? He came to atone for sin. I mean, Peter himself, in, in, in talking about Jesus in Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, says salvation is found in no one else. There's no other name under heaven given to mankind whereby we must be saved. Jesus came to deal with the sin problem. When Jesus came the first time, he came to deal with the sin problem. He came to give his life on the cross and deal with the sin problem. I love this quote. It said, if our greatest need would have been information and technology, then God would have sent a scientist. If our greatest need would have been for money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need would have been for pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was for forgiveness, and so he sent us a savior. He sent us a savior. Come on now. Come on now. But notice the next three. See, those three were fulfilled in the first coming of Jesus, and we're going to get into that a little bit deeper here, because it's really cool. The first three the first three were fulfilled the first time that Jesus came. But not all six of these things have been fulfilled yet. There's three others that haven't been. I mean, take a look at it. To bring everlasting righteousness. Last time I checked, when I look around, there's not everlasting righteousness. There's not even sometimes a little bit of righteousness. Right? All right, maybe you're not with me. Seal up the vision and prophecy. What does that mean? That means that when all things have been fulfilled, all prophecies have been fulfilled. Friends, all prophecies have not been fulfilled. There are things in the Bible that have not yet been fulfilled. There's a lot that's been fulfilled. There are a lot of things that haven't been fulfilled yet. And, and to anoint the most holy. In, 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 in Hebrew, it's Kadesh 
Kadashim, or the Holy of Holies. And if you remember in the temple, literally the Holy of Holies was the place behind the curtain. And, and, and I believe that what this is referring to is what we see later on at the end of the book of Revelation. And, and, and what we see at the end of Ezekiel, Ezekiel 40 through 46, the future millennial temple that is coming. But 490 years, six things have to be, have to be fulfilled. But all six have not been fulfilled. Only three of them have been fulfilled. So that means that there's a third way in which we need to understand things. Not just generally and specifically, but we need to look at this through the lens messianically. Number three is messianically. Look at verses 25 and 26. Now we're going to get into it. You ready for your math lesson? Here we go. Now therefore understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until the Messiah, the Prince, there shall be, here we go, seven weeks. So seven, seven sevens, seven groupings of seven weeks. Seven times seven is how much? 49. So we're talking about 49 years, all right? And 62 weeks. So if, a, if, if we're talking about in terms of grouping of seven years, if we're staying consistent, 62 sevens, and I have to look ahead to my math because I don't remember what that is. 434, thank you. Somebody is really good at math. You ought to be teaching this. That's wonderful. So seven. So, so now we have 62 weeks. The streets shall be yet built again and the wall, even in troublesome times. And after the 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end of it shall be with a flood until the end of the war of desolations are determined. Now, let me just point something out. Daniel is seeing this, and it says, it says about the sanctuary being destroyed. There was no temple at this time. When Babylon came in, they destroyed the temple. There was no temple during this time. All right? When Daniel is seeing this, this is about something future that is coming. So, so now we need to understand some things from a messianic perspective. And what I mean by messianic is that Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. So we need to look at this through that messianic perspective because this is pointing to, this is talking about Jesus who is coming, his first coming. This is talking about his, his coming and, and, and understanding that. So let's do the math in, in, in that. So we see that there, there are total, if you take the seven sevens, the 49 plus the 434, where's my math people at? That is how many years? 483. I was quicker than you because I already did it. 483. So total, 483 years. So that's that first seven. Let's break it down this way. There are three distinct time periods in these verses, if you count the, the next verse that we didn't read. Three distinct time periods. So here we go. Hang with me. This is deep. Wake up. If your neighbor's sleeping, punch him. Tell him to wake up. All right? Because this is really important. All right. I, we, I guess we shouldn't punch in church, right? We shouldn't hit. So, so time periods. Time period number one, seven, seven, seven weeks of seven, 49 years. During that time period, here's what's going to happen. There's going to be a decree that, that goes out, and from that decree is to rebuild the city of Jerusalem and its walls and its streets are to be built up. Time period number two, 62 weeks. That's different. That's 434 years. After that period of time, 434 years, the Messiah is going to die, will come and die, and the city of Jerusalem will be attacked, leveled, and destroyed. That's what it means by the Messiah will be cut off, but not for himself. Jesus cut off, 
but not for himself. You know cut off? You know what that means? Pierced. Literally, in Hebrew, it means pierced. Seriously. Pierced. He was, Isaiah said he was what? Pierced for our transgressions. Bruised for our iniquities. Come on now. You can't make this up. Right? So Messiah will be cut off, and then it talks about the temple being leveled and destroyed. Then there's a third time period, and it's 1-7, or seven years. 1-7, verse 27. Come on. Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week, but in the middle of the week he shall bring an end to a sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abomination shall be one who makes desolate, even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. So, according to this verse, we're talking about one seven. So that's the final seven, the final, the final of the of the seven years. We've been dealing with sixty nine weeks. This is the seventh week. All right, seventy weeks in total, but three distinct periods of time, three different periods of time. When does it all begin? There's a distinct time period where it starts. And this is really, really important. It says that it starts from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem. Now, there were four commands of the people to be exiled. Daniel's praying into this vision, remember? Seventy years in exile. Daniel's praying into this. Our time is coming. When are you going to restore? And he begins to confess. When are you going to restore? And we know that there was a command under Cyrus. Jeremiah even prophesied about Cyrus who would begin to release the people back to the city. Three commands were given to release the people back under Ezra. Remember Ezra in the Bible? Three commands were given in the book of Ezra, but what were they given to do? To rebuild the temple. There's only one command in Scripture that was to rebuild the city and its walls. Anybody remember when that command came out? A guy by the name of Nehemiah, a cupbearer to the king. And in Nehemiah chapter 2, Nehemiah was released not to just go back and rebuild the walls, but if you look at it, he was rebuilding the entire city of Jerusalem. And guess what? We just happen to know from history exactly when he made that decree. A guy by the name of Artaxerxes Long, oh, I can't even say his last name, Longmanus, Longmanus, I don't know, Longmanus. I tried, I, you know, you look up and you say, okay, is there anybody that can just tell me how this is pronounced? There's no pronunciation for this. Seriously. But we know he was there. History tells us, not only biblical history, but history tells us that, that, uh, that Artaxerxes Longmire in March 14, 445 B.C., that's the command. He gave the command to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. So from the time the command goes out, right, from the time the command goes out, we have the, the, these, these 49 years. To, to get it rebuilt, and then 434 years, or, 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 or uh, 62 weeks, total 69 weeks, and we get to the time of the arrival of the Messiah. You're like, seriously? Really, Pastor? Come on, let's look at this. All right, let's, let's look at this. Because does anybody know with Nehemiah, do you know how long it actually took to rebuild the city? 49 years. Seriously. You can't make this up. Seriously. So you had that 49 years, and then we have the, the 62 weeks, the 434. So from the time it was completed until the 434, that gives us that time period. So if we start, a guy by the name of Sir Robert Anderson wrote a book called The Coming Prince. Maybe some of you have read this. 
He, he was the head of criminal investigation at Scotland Yard. So Sir Robert Anderson, he did calculations of, of, of dates and Daniel's prophecies. He did some calculations. He checked all the dates with the Royal Observatory, Observatory in London. He calculated 483 years from March 14, 445 B.C. And he calculated them in terms of days. Now, here's something important to understand when it comes to days for years. For us, now, how long is a year? It is how many days? 365. Come on, you got to participate if you want to stay with me because this is deep stuff. 365. But, but the Jewish year, calendar year, had how many days? Does anybody know? 360. 360. So if you do 365, you kind of get off, but you got to go by the, remember, we have to see this through the lens of the Hebrews. We have to see this through the lens of, of Jewish history. So 360 days. So he began to, to calculate it out, and he came that, that this 483 years that we're talking about, 483 years time period that we're talking about is 173,880 days. If anybody's writing it down, 173,880 days. So beginning with March 14th, 445 B.C., and you count 1, 2, 3, 500, 501, 502. You know, you get all the way up, 172, uh, you know, 900, and then you get 173, 879, 173, 880. And guess what date he arrives at? April 6th. AD 32. You go, well, what's so special about that? Well, in the Jewish calendar, it was the month of Nisan. It was the 10th day of the month of Nisan, and it was the exact day that lambs were selected by the families uh, to be given a few days later at Passover. Whoa! Are you seeing this? Whoa! And guess exactly what happened on April 6th, A.D. 32. Guess what happened? Jesus Christ ascended up the Mount of Olives, and he said to his disciples, Hey, guys, why don't you go into the city? There's a donkey, a colt, that's waiting for you. Go ahead and just begin to take it. And if the owner comes and questions you, tell him the master has need of it. What do we call that day when Jesus rode up the Mount of Olives on a, on, a, on a colt, the foal of a donkey? What do we call that day? Palm Sunday. And what happened as Jesus rode in? Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, right? The very day, the very time period, that very time that it was predicted was that the Messiah would come and Jesus, the Lamb of God, was selected and came riding into Jerusalem. Oh, look what he says. Luke chapter 19. We got to go there, right? We got to go there in the New Testament because this is so good. Luke 19, 41 and 42. Hang with me. This is so good. Now, as he drew near, he saw the city and he wept over it. Wait a minute, Jesus. What do you mean wept over it? Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes. Jesus, isn't this wonderful? You're the king. They're calling you the king. They're laying palm branches. Why are you weeping? Why are you crying? There's no crying for the Messiah. Only those of you that know that old movie, that just shows my age. You younger folks don't even get it. It's okay. No. He weeps over the city. And what's he say? If you had known even you, especially in this day, the things that make for your peace, but now they're hidden from your eyes. When kings would ride in, in a time of peace, they would ride on a donkey They'd ride on a colt, the foal of a donkey. They, they would ride in on a donkey in times of peace. In times of war, do you know what they ride in on? A horse. 
Guess what Revelation says? The next time Jesus comes, he's riding in on. He's riding in on a horse the next time. But I don't want you to miss what he's saying. He said, if you had known, if you'd known this day and the things that make for peace, if you'd have only known this day and the things that have made for peace, friends, 500 years earlier, Daniel, in a vision by Gabriel, calculated out to the very day the Messiah would come, and yet the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, the people that were there missed the day of his visitation. They missed the day of his visitation, and they crucified him. They missed his day. It was calculated right out to the very time frame, and they missed it. They had all of it available to them, as well as other scriptures like Zechariah that we read, where you can begin to point it out, like Isaiah chapter 53, like Psalm. You can pull it out, everything about the Messiah, and so many missed it. In fact, Luke 19, 43 and 44, Jesus prophesies what Daniel prophesies is coming after the Messiah is cut off. He says, for days will come upon you and your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you and close you in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground and they will not leave, you, leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. Judgment and wrath are coming. You did not know the time of your visitation. And guess what happened? In A.D. 70, guess what happened? A guy came in uh, in in A.D. 70, Titus Vesperian, a Roman general, and he forced his way into Jerusalem, killing on that day a million Jews and starving over 100,000 out of the city. So much so. That parents were so desperate and so hungry they were eating their children. That's awful. That's horrifying. But friends, I want you to see that Daniel was given this vision and it was predicted. And Jesus, to the very T, meets the qualifications and comes in to the very day. That is our Messiah. But many missed it. They missed it. But friends, there's a year we're missing. There's a week we're missing. That's 69 weeks. What do we do with the seventh week? What do we do with the seventh week of, of Daniel 9.27? What, what do we do with this one week? Well, we have to understand it futuristically. As we've seen with other prophecies in Daniel, they have a fulfillment historically, but there's also a future fulfillment that is coming. Let's read Daniel 9.27. There, there he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week, but in the middle of the week he shall bring an end to a sacrifice, to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abomination shall be one who makes desolate. Abomination of desolation. Didn't we hear that a couple of weeks ago? Who are we talking about? Who's the he? The Antichrist. Ooh, you said that word again. Yeah. Because it's true. It's coming. What is Antichrist? For those of you that weren't with us, what's Antichrist? Somebody who claims to be Christ, but they're not. 
They're against everything. They're the man of lawlessness. They're against everything Christ, yet they set themselves up as Christ. They set themselves up as the ruler, as the king, as God. And we saw that picture uh, it, it, that we, we saw earlier in, the, in, the, in, in Daniel chapter 8 of the, the, the ram and the goat and the little horn, right? Arisakis Epiphanes was a, a picture, but there's one coming, Right? And on the wing of abomination shall make desolate until the consummation which is determined. There's that word again. Determined. Cut out. And is poured out on the desolate. Friends, what we are dealing with with this final seven, it's what we're talking about in Revelation is called the tribulation. It's called the tribulation. You say, well, why is the tribulation seven years? Where do we get that from? Where do you get that that's going to be a seven-year period of time? Right here, Daniel chapter 9. It's the final week. You see, when the Messiah has been cut off, and then those things happen, there's a period, there is a time period where the vision stops, and there's this period of time. And do you know what that period of time is? It's the time we're living in right now. It's called the church age. We're in the middle of it. But there is a seventh week that is coming. 483 years have been fulfilled, but this gap of the church age is now. But at some point, at some point, the calendar is going to kick off. At some point, it's going to kick off again. And that seventh week is going to kick in. And it is a timetable, just like this was an exact timetable. So this is an exact timetable. And three and a half years in, if you read the book of Revelation, you have the wrath and the, and the pouring out. But then three and a half years in, the, the, the desecration of the temple happens in Revelation and you have another three and a half years that's called the great tribulation and that's when there is greater wrath that is poured out on the earth. Oh boy. I knew it would be quiet in here. Right? It's that gap. And, and then it, what happens? The prophecies will be sealed up. What? Because Jesus is coming again. That's his second coming. He's coming again. And what he will do is fulfill the rest of the vision. He will establish everlasting righteousness. And all prophecy and vision will be sealed up. And he will be anointed as the king. As the king forever. Jesus speaks about it himself. Matthew 24, verse 15. So when you see standing in the holy place, the abomination that causes desolation. Didn't we read that in Daniel? Yes! Spoken through the prophet Daniel. Let the reader understand. Verse 21. From there, there will be great distress unequaled from the beginning of the world until now and never to be equaled again. Verses 30 and 31. There will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then the peoples of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call. And they will gather his elect from the four winds from the ends of the earth to the other. Friends, that hasn't happened yet. But if we can see what's already happened to the very detail, we can guarantee that it's coming. It's coming. Paul talked about it. He wrote about it in 1 Corinthians when he said, at the last trumpet in the twinkling of an eye, Blink your eyes that quick, that quick. In Thessalonians, he wrote that the dead in Christ shall rise, and those who we are with him will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. That's where we get rapture from. Friends, Jesus is coming. But here's my warning. 
There were those the first time that had the calculations right down to the day. Now, we don't know the day or the hour when the seven years is going to begin. We don't know when that final week is going to kick off. Jesus said, no man knows the day or the hour. Only my Father knows. Only my Father knows. But here's what we know. If Jesus did it before, right down to the very calculation, he's going to do it again. But there were those that had all of that information, all of those prophecies, and yet missed the day of his visitation. Friends, there are those today, we have the living word of God. We have the prophecies that tell us who Jesus is and what Jesus came to do and how he came to save and how he came to make us right with God, how he came so that our sin could be cleansed and atoned for and washed away. He told us how we can get right with God. But there are many who will miss it. Just like before, they will miss it. Friends, have understanding today. Understanding today. Understand this practically. From a practical standpoint, don't miss it. But see it and respond. See it and respond. How do we respond practically? Well, first, it ought to motivate us to pray. And it ought to motivate us to get in God's word. Isn't that what got Daniel going? Why did Daniel get to this place with the revelation? What was he doing? Reading the words of Jeremiah the prophet. And it sparked him. And he began to intercede and he began to pray. Friends, understand that you got to get in prayer and get in God's word. And say, Holy Spirit, give me the understanding. Give me the understanding. Secondly, it ought to demonstrate to us God's providence. Listen, who's in control? God is. God's got a timetable. All of these things ought to demonstrate to us that God has a purpose and God has a plan and God is bringing about and there is nothing that can thwart God's plan. There is nothing that can give in that can get in the way of God's plan. Providence simply means this, the hand of God in the glove of circumstance. God moves the players around on the chessboard. He's got it mapped out. Well, I don't like that. Well, do business with God. Why don't you wrestle with God for a while? There's a guy in the Old Testament, his name was Jacob. He did. He never walked the same again. Seriously. When you wrestle with God, you're going to come to an understanding. He's going to give you an understanding. But be open and wrestle with God because God's got it all. What that means is is when we take a look at our own uh, circumstances and our own nation and we look at the world and we look at all the things going on. Oh, oh, what's happening? Oh, oh, oh. Understand God is in God's working. So what do we need to do? Be ready. What do you need to do? Be ready. Ready yourself. Prepare yourself. Ready yourself. Share with others the hope of the gospel. Share with the take this and say, hey, listen, let me share with you something. I want to have a math problem for you. I want to show you something. And look at it. You know what this points to? This points to Jesus. And nobody else could fulfill this like Jesus did. And you know what? This is what the Bible says about Jesus, that Jesus came so that our sins can be cleansed, so that we can be made right with God. And salvation is found in no other name but the name of Jesus. Let me tell you about the good news of Jesus. It ought to motivate us to share Christ. It ought to motivate us to share Jesus. Thirdly, God is precise in his word. He's the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the earth. And in Daniel's prophecy, we're told that he's coming again. So friends, let's ready ourselves. Let's recognize the day of his visitation. And let's ready ourselves. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come. And let me just ask you this. 
If Jesus were to come right now in the twinkling of an eye, are you ready to meet the Lord? Are you ready to meet the Lord? Would you say that you're right with God? If you take a look at your life and how you've been living, if you, if you take a look, have you, have you asked Jesus into your life? Have you asked Jesus to forgive you of your sin? Have you surrendered your life to Christ? Are you ready? If Jesus were to come, are you ready to meet the Lord? Are you ready? Should he come? Or like those before, would you miss the day of your visitation? Are you ready to meet the Lord? Those of you online, are you ready to meet the Lord? And if not, the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow. Today's the day that I'm not holy enough. Jesus makes you holy. You don't know what I've done. <laughs> he already knows. Just be honest. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. It's that easy? Yes. Yes, those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's putting our faith in Jesus. And some of you need to put your faith in Jesus today. Some of you need to get right with God today. Don't miss, don't miss the day of his visitation. He came once. Don't miss it when he comes again. Let's bow our heads. If you're here and you say, you know, Pastor, when you ask that question, I can't say for sure that if Jesus were to come right now that I'd be ready to meet the Lord. But I know I need to get my life right. And today I'd like to, to ask Jesus to forgive me of my sin. I'd ask, like to ask Jesus to, to come into my heart, to come into my life. I'd, I'd like to ask Jesus for his forgiveness and put my faith in him. If that's you today, if watching online, will you just respond by letting us know in the comments or emailing us, info at painsvilleag.com. But if you're in this room, if that's you, will you slip up your hand? Pastor, I don't know. I need to be made right. I need to get my life right with God. I need to put my faith in Jesus today. I need to ask him for his forgiveness and grace. Is there anyone at all? Thank you. Thank you. I need his forgiveness today. Anybody else? I need his forgiveness today. I need to ask Jesus into my life. Thank you. Thank you. Some of us, yeah, thank you. Come on, will you just pray with me? If you raise your hand, will you just pray with me a prayer of a dedication of our lives to Jesus, or maybe you did it once before, but you just want to be sure you're rededicating your life to Christ today. Will you just pray with me? Dear Jesus, I thank you today that you love me and that you sent your son to give his life for me. I ask you today to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me and make me right with you through the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus, I invite you into my life and I ask you to make me new and make me more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we just stand today? Hallelujah. All across this place, come on. Come on. I have folks here that want to pray with you. If you've got a need today, we're just going to close in a last song of worship. It just says, can't go back to the beginning, can't control what tomorrow may bring, right? We can't control, but we know who does, right? Here in the middle is the place where you promise to be. I'm not enough unless you come. Will you meet me here again? Friends, can we just begin to sing and just ask Jesus to meet us here in this place before we leave?
Come on, we just ask the Lord to meet you here. And if you need prayer for any reason, anything at all, maybe you need a healing in your life, maybe there's something going on in your job or your family, whatever it is, will you come and let us pray with you today as we sing? Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you're encouraged by this message. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, visit PainesvilleAG.com.